2: through the years you'll
0: moving iron
1: hello and welcome to moving iron podcast marcus with sean hackett sean is nice enough to come on and talk about what's going on in the marketplace because he's from hackett financial in boca raton florida where i understand they are building arcs to uh, send people down the river is that am i pretty close on that. Yes,
2: yes. Uh they're sold out. Um, you know, it's a booming business right now, given the twenty-two point five inches of rain Fort Lauderdale Airport received yesterday in eight hours' time. They actually closed the airport for six hours. Anyone that knows Fort Lauderdale knows that even during category two hurricanes, they typically don't even close it. So quite a rain event here in Boca it was not quite as bad, and we have better drainage, but uh pretty amazing. We did some kind of a Sloppy upper atmospheric uh, stationary low that just uh, wouldn't go away. It's gone now, but uh, been down here for, since nineteen ninety nine. It's about the most intense rainfall I've seen, and, and through all the hurricanes and tropical storms and depressions, up. But the most intense rainfall I've ever seen. So
1: that's a fair amount of rain, Sean. I'm not going to lie to you. It's a
2: fair amount of rain. Yeah that that'll uh, that'll solve most water problems, and you know.
1: I feel like, like any place that got twenty two inches of rain would. Would be be hemmed up for a while, but it is Florida and it is a tropical environment down there. So you guys are gonna have I just think
2: if you use the, the ten or twelve to one ratio for snow, that's like getting almost three hundred inches of snow in eight hours.
1: <laughs> <laughs> a few roofs might have collapsed, but no, no big deal. <laughs> easy. So
2: easy fortunately, it was not snow, and the rain definitely goes away. So yeah, right
1: on. Yeah. Right on. All right, well, glad you survived that. That's uh. Yeah that's a good deal for you so all right sean let's talk about something here we have been bantering back and forth on uh the milk market here for a while and last time we talked about milk had made a run up from the mid-17s up to just a little bit over 20 and you related that back to a glitch in the uh in the uh expect what was it called that report uh the traders uh intentions report um that there was a glitch in that system that was causing some no one really knew what was going on so everybody got it figured out and all of a sudden boom took off and ran now it subsequently about a week and a half later it comes back down settles into that 1750 range again now it's blowing back up but today i'm looking at it right now it's 1875 um right now in the overnights uh, before the open here so i guess sean what's going on in the milk market and there's a lot of volatility there right now um well th-
2: three things first remember that the sentiment in the milk market is extremely bearish because um, you know, the milk market is driven by Chinese demand and Chinese demand has been terrible here in the first quarter because of their COVID chaos period and not buying a lot of, um, of milk and that sort of thing. And so it's, you know, this everyone's bearish. having said that um, because of the historic flooding out in California, because of this, now we're starting to see the snowpack melt. You know that's terrible for dairy out in California. Um, it's terrible for for cow stress, which means lower production. It's not good for feed quality, which means lower production. And there's no end in sight to that situation. I mean, that snowpack melt's going to keep on giving extreme flooding for the foreseeable future in the next couple of months. So we got a, a, a produ- the monthly production report out for California. Well, it's for the whole country, but. California was down three percent um and uh California represents 20 percent of milk production so that then then we had this crazy fire in Texas in one of the largest dairies in the country uh, I don't know the exact details of what happened other than they were supposedly trucking manure and was a lot of static electricity and somehow the whole thing blew up and it blew up the entire facility i mean the whole thing is a zero and they represented about 2.2 percent of u.s production gone not 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 to return that's the market so well and and top of the the california you know being down so much and i mean i'm not sure why people were surprised by that casey but I would, I've been talking about this in my reports for a while that this is coming. So you, you've all of a sudden you put this together and everyone says, well, shoot, production that we, you know, the production, U.S. production is not going to be anywhere near as good. And then, you know, we know that dairy production follows the economy here and elsewhere. And so uh, consumer sentiment readings came out of China, um, I think it was three or four days ago. And um, and sh- and you know, of course, it had cratered during the first quarter because everyone's you know was scared, and everyone was getting sick, and everybody was dying, and whatever's going on there, right? But we saw a big spike in consumer sentiment um, in the last report coming from China, and consumer sentiment leads improved consumer behavior, consumer buying. Of course, that means better consumer demand for dairy. So the, those two reports combined. Of you know significant knockdown in U.S. production out west, in this very unfortunate and sad situation with this uh, complete destruction of this huge dairy in, in Texas, along with improved consumer sentiment numbers coming out of China, um, you know is, is is bringing is is taking some of this morbid bearish tone into the market, and bringing some buyers in who. What happens during these times you know buyers live hand to mouth they think that every price is going to keep going down but the minute that they think that, that maybe the bottom is in they all rush in to buy and get supplies bought for you know for you know more than just in time and we're starting to see that happen and it's starting to you know we're starting to see some nice price movements and uh it's the first you know we've been warning about a bottom turn here at the end of the first quarter as we moved into the second quarter and it looks like that turn up might be happening exactly as when we've been Kind of forecasting it would. So, so far, so good on the idea that the second quarter we would crawl our way out of the hole and start to see some better pricing. So, um, you know, not out of the woods yet. Certainly the prices aren't exactly where producers need them to be, but it's a, it's a move in the right direction.
1: That makes sense.
2: That
1: makes sense. All right. Let's talk about sugar for a minute. So, sugar's had a pretty big spike here. Um, if you're looking at where it's been at and where it's at now. And the reason I'm about sugar right now is because we're planting sugar beets uh here uh, this week, if not next week, and then it'll be full swing the week after next for sure. Um looking at the price of sugar, um, right now we're trading about 24 cents. And if you look at where it's been, it's kind of hovered around 18 to 20 cents. And now we've seen this big spike up here over the last, I don't know, couple weeks here, a big, fairly big jump up. So in sugar market, when you're looking at that, Sean, what do you think what do you see? Some of the driving factors there.
2: Well, I always talk about how important India is to the sugar trade. It's the swing; it's a, it, that them and Thailand are the swing factor, and uh, their production was. You know, they had they had okay weather last year. They had some; it wasn't perfect, but it was generally okay. Um, you know, people were expecting their crop to be around thirty-six million metric tons, which would have been solid. And 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 some production numbers have backed off. Not a lot. You know, a couple of million metric tons. You know, but but they've you know over the last few years they've diverted five million metric tons of sugar for ethanol production in India. So now five million metric tons of that production that normally would have been available to the export market is now no longer available because it's being used for ethanol. So what's now being understood is that they need 36 to have their normal export exports. If they fall short of 36. Then they have to back off, and that's what they've done. They they they've backed off their export expectations and export quotas, and they pretty much said we're not really going to export much more than we already have, or very little. Um, and of course, we're moving into El Nino mm-hmm. this year and next, which means that the weather gets considerably worse for sugar production. So I guess the point here, Casey, is that if they, you know are only able to export, let's say, five or six metric tons with a, a fairly good crop of 34, with generally not too bad weather, and we move into a multi-year drought scenario where their production could be off, and we could be looking at sub 30 million metric ton at a time that we're already in deficit, you, know, you have yourself a, a pretty nasty situation uh, developing. And so, you know, the sugar market, after almost two years of basing, as you said, between 18 and 20 cents, finally broke out on this news that, um, you know, that uh, India is just not going to be there uh, to, to, to supply this exports that the market was counting on. And uh, and we made a quick move to 24, 25 cents. You know, certainly the market's not going to go straight up forever. There'll be corrections along the way. But overall, you know, I see the pattern being very bullish. Extended, I don't see anything that's going to change that trajectory within lineal arriving and coming. And remember Thailand is already developing drought pattern already. And so it's a market that uh, after being sleepy for a couple of years is waking up. And, and, you know, I think that the highs that we hit back in the two thousands was 35 cents or something like that. Um, If you look at relative value of sugar relative to overall commodities, if it were to trade at a historic overvaluation, we would find ourselves in that you know 30 or 35 cents i mean not right away but i mean i just think this is a market that if you're a physical buyer of sugar you, know, you want to be looking to buy every break that comes along your way with the tightness that we currently have and with the el nino pen it's not likely to allow this tightness to be alleviated um until either demand is hurt or you know of course india could decide to stop converting sugar to ethanol i can't predict that but but right now situation looks pretty solid remember europe had a very 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 poor sugar beet crop last year because of the drought historic drought that they had um and so they're short sugar so you, you just put all this together and it's a it's an interesting market that i don't you know i i think it might be ready for a, a a temporary top and maybe a setback but longer term i just think buyers need to be protecting upside price risks um as we go forward i, I don't think we can be assured of a of a major top until we trade a really poor india crop due to el nino and right. obviously we haven't even gotten there yet
1: so right. okay let's jump over and, and talk about coffee so we've we you spent a lot of time looking at coffee and coffee has some pretty good indicators to the overall market as a whole you've talked about that before on the, on the podcast if you go back to the end of march um at a set of bottom there about Buck 70 and, and right now we're trading at about a dollar ninety six. So in the last couple of weeks, we've seen 25 cents get added back to that that coffee market. A couple of things. One is is the is the drought situation in in southern Brazil and over in Argentina. Is that having an effect on what we see happening in the coffee market right now? Or what are some of the driving factors there that you're seeing in the coffee market?
2: No, coffee's too far north. Too far north. Okay. Yeah, I mean they're, they're actually the weather's been pretty good. Crop looks like it's gonna be okay. Um, there is some talk, um, and there is some <clears throat> strong teleconnections that support a, a very wet weather pattern developing here later on in April, mm-hmm. into May, maybe even into June. Uh, we have very, very hot eastern-based Pacific sea surface temperatures, that, um, but we don't have El Nino in the center of Pacific, as we talked about the other day, and that tends to lead to a... Um, kind of an atmospheric river pattern for central Brazil which is where the coffee is but we're getting ready to harvest the coffee so we don't want rainfall now we want we want it to stop and when you have we, we have very very tight supplies because of the frost and the drought that we had the last several years so the market can't you know they need an early fast harvest to bring those fresh supplies in so that the market can get restocked and if this very wet weather delays or pushes out harvest and slows it down and delays when those available supplies are going to be available you get yourself a supply pinch which looks like the market's getting concerned about you look at the future spreads casey the nearby prices are gaining on the deferred prices you know that's showing a tightness in the spot price we look at certified stocks after rising for uh, a while you know, have fallen almost 100,000 bags are now down to 720,000 bags um, down from 880,000 bags a few months ago. And that's your stock of last resort. And when you when you start pulling back or pulling down those certified stocks. Um, so I think this is just concerning the market that, you know, at a time of really, really tight supplies, um, that anything that is beyond perfection with the harvest uh, some buyers are, are are starting to blink here a little bit, and we're starting to get some kind of that supply squeeze trade that we were getting late last year before we got some alleviation of that, uh, you know, of that stress. So, so um, in the short run, you know, it, it's 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 a it's a market that uh, so long as those heavy rainfall forecasts remain intact, you know, I, I think there's there's risk to the upside here. For the market to get themselves and for the buyers, the physical buyers to get into a better position to weather
1: a delayed harvest and maybe delayed arrival of supplies. On. Okay. Well, good stuff. As usual, Sean, folks I want to reach out to you and get more information about what it is you're doing over at Hackett Financial. What's the best way to do that?
2: Our uh, website is Hackett, H A C K E T T, advisors.com. Our Twitter page is at Faradex 11. And our linkedin pages sean hackett or hackett financial advisors and from time to time we'll put interviews with you or with market to market which will be on here a week from friday and some other interviews that we do and some other posts we do on bar chart that kind of go over some of these cycles and from time to time to keep you up to date with what's going on with them and you know where where things might be heading so
1: well sean i really appreciate you being on the podcast man always a pleasure casey always a pleasure Right on. I'm Casey Seymour with Moving Iron Podcast. Check me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Moving Iron LLC. Go to LinkedIn, Moving Iron Podcast, and see the video version over at the YouTube channel, Moving Iron Podcast. Moving Iron Podcast is also uh, on MovingIronLLC.com. Check it out there and everything else related to the Moving Iron um, Podcast, Moving Iron Blog, as well as a Moving Iron Summit coming up here in Nashville, Tennessee, September 11th through the 13th. Uh, If you're interested in ten of that. Be one of the first 150 people to sign up, and Axon Tire takes care of that first 50 bucks for you on that registration fee. Also, if you need more information about what's going on there, you can send me an email at movingironpodcast at movingironpodcast.com, and I will be sure to get back to you with whatever questions you got there. So with that, I'm Casey Seymour, Sean Hackett. Move smart, folks. Out. Axon started out of a passion for keeping agriculture moving. Imagine having 100 years of tire and wheel knowledge in your back pocket the next time you sell a piece of ag equipment.
2: In the 21st century, hard work.